11.55. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. One more story before 12. Just to keep us warm. In five minutes, it'll be the 21st of April. One hundred years ago on the... 21st of April, out on the waters around Spivey Point, a small clipper ship drew toward land. Suddenly, out of the night, the fog rolled in. For a moment, they could see nothing, not a foot ahead of them. And then they saw a light. My God, it was a fire burning on the shore, strong enough to penetrate the swirling mist. He steered a course toward the light, but it was a campfire like this one. The ship crashed against the rocks. The hull sheared in two, the mast snapped like a twig, and the wreckage sank with all the men aboard. Bottom of the sea lay the Elizabeth Dane with her crew, their lungs filled with salt water, their eyes open and staring into the darkness. And above, as suddenly as it had come, the fog lifted, receded back across the ocean, and never came again. But it is told by the fishermen and their fathers and grandfathers that when the fog returns to Antonio Bay, the men at the bottom of the sea, out in the water by Spivey Point, will rise up and search for the campfire that led them to their dark and icy death. First of April. Well, that was the opening to The Fog, released in 1980. And that's the movie that we're going to be talking about today in sort of a live show. I'm going to just do very minimal editing on this. So you'll have to forgive our ums and ahs and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it, it's a movie directed by John Carpenter and stars... Uh, well, that was John Houseman that we just heard. And Janet Leigh is in it. And uh, Adrian Barbeau. And... Um, I'm forgetting the person that oh, Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep, Jamie Lee Curtis. Thank you. Who is Janet Lee? Tom, Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins. Yep, and Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, so they got to be in a in a movie together, which I think is pretty cool. And we mustn't forget uh, the good uh, Reverend Malone, played by Hal Holbrook. Yeah, <laughs> boy, he was he was in films and TV for a long, long time. Yeah, and he he was not having a good time in this movie, though. 
Um, oh, no, what a burden. Yeah, he he has a line kind of near the end of the movie where the he says, the whole town is cursed, and I'm cursed. He's <laughs> like, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. So you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and uh, you can find us on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. And I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from North Bend. And this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews and John Carpenter's The Fog which is a fun movie. I, I hadn't watched it for quite some time. I'm glad we're doing it for Halloween. Um, it has just the right mixture of of uh, believability, fiction, and a few good scares. And I'm never going to want to work in that lighthouse. Oh, where really? Adrian Barbeau ran her. Because I was broadcast. like, I was like, how can I buy a lighthouse and and start up a radio station? That sounds really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that on the on the north coast uh, of Washington, mm-hmm. out there where it's kind of windy and cold, and you, you're running your FM station. Yeah, yeah, I liked her setup there, all of her records and her eight tracks, and her radio voice. She would switch over from her normal voice to her radio voice. <laughs> and I I got to thinking about it. She must have worked all the time because there was no other person at the radio station. She was on at midnight or later, and then she was on in the morning. It was really a one-person show. It seemed like it. (laughs) She needed some help. Um, Yeah, and it was kind of fun because uh, last night, Haley and Haley's boyfriend Gilbert and I watched it together over FaceTime. So we had a FaceTime chat going and then we were like, okay, ready? Three, two, one, hit play. And we had it synced up almost perfectly. And uh, we just got to hang out and chat and watch the movie together. So that was fun. Oh, that would be great. I remember when we did that during the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. When we watched Charles Bronson <laughs> rummaging through the West. Yeah. Yep. But this film that we're looking at for, uh, we're talking about today, takes place at Antonio Bay in Northern California. And the uh, John Hausman character was added uh, after the original cut was made because uh, Mr. Carpenter felt it needed a better introduction to to set the whole story up. So they brought in Mr. Uh, Hausman to do that. He's perfect as a lead-in. You know, I'm... I'm so glad they added that because the the remake that came out in I think the 90s uh maybe maybe the 2000s but anyway uh it doesn't have that opening and it it feels like you just jump into this story without any setup in the remake and it it's lacking that kind of slow build of the <clears throat> the the ghost story at the beginning of the movie I have not seen that one. It came out in 2005, I think. Um, but this one is, is, is I has, it has the right bl- blend and mix of everything. And after that opening, all kinds of strange occurrences begin to happen within the town. And then poor Father Malone gets hit on the head by a brick, or almost hit on the head by a brick. 
that discloses his grandfather's diary. Well, I think... And, and the revelation of what they did in the 1880s. December 11, Blake's proposition is simple. He wants to move off Tanzier Island and relocate the entire colony just north of here. He has purchased a clipper ship called the Elizabeth Dane with part of his fortune and asks only for permission to settle here. I must balance my feelings of mercy and compassion toward this poor man with my revulsion at the thought of a leper colony only a mile distant. April 20, the six of us met tonight. From midnight until one o'clock, we planned the death of Blake and his comrades. I tell myself that Blake's gold will allow the church to be built and our small settlement to become a township, but it does not soothe the horror that I feel being an accomplice to murder. Oh my gosh. It's a horrific story. Yeah, those those town founders. Oh, and this is all happening on the 100th anniversary of the founding of the town, right? And so that coincides with what uh, we find out from the book that Father Malone finds in the wall. And I really think that you know the 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 so spoiler if you haven't seen this movie uh th- there's there's ghosts that that live in the fog and they're coming back for revenge and i really think they were trying to kill father malone there with that brick because he was sitting there just a few seconds earlier and if if he hadn't moved that that brick would have hit him right on the head no kidding uh, and I, I guess you know, in way back uh, when, if, before the town was founded, Father Malone's grandfather and a group of other people conspired to to kill the uh, the members of the clipper ship Elizabeth Dane, who wanted to set up a colony for uh, of people that had leprosy, and uh, that put an end to that. Uh, episode in the in the story, but these conspirators also found all this gold and plundered the ship and used that gold to fund the town. So now it's really clear, kind of what the what the backstory is to these current events. It it's a slow burn though because we don't really find that backstory out until about thirty minutes into the movie, and so there's all these weird things happening like. Uh, one of the characters, uh, Tom Tom Atkins, plays Nick Castle, and he's driving, I don't know, along the coast somewhere late at night, and picks up Jamie Lee Curtis's character because uh, she's hitchhiking, and it they're in the car for about a minute, and then all of a sudden, all the windows in the car, the truck, just blow up. And- Hi. Hi. How far are you going? Other side of town. Close enough. Make it? Yeah. Thank you. Sip. Listen, I never hitchhiked before. I just really want to be careful. Can I ask you something? Sure. Are you weird? Yes, I am. 
Yes, I am weird. You are weird. Yes. You're weird, thank God. <laughs> the last ride I had was so normal, it was disgusting. You picked me up in Santa Barbara. By the time we got to Carmel, he wanted to marry me. Oh, yeah. I thought you never hitchhiked before. Not before last week. You're my... 13th ride. Oh, great. Weird and unlucky. I'll see. All right. I'm fine. You I'm sure? Fine. I think so. What the hell was... It's exactly 12 minutes after midnight. And this is Stevie Wayne, your night Stay light. Around until about 1 o'clock. I'm hiding night in the KAB lighthouse on Spivey Point. And in case you've forgotten, it's April 21st. And a happy birthday for Antonio Bay. Now there's a celebration planned for tonight. So if you're so excited about it, you can't sleep, well, stay up with me, and I'll figure out some way to keep you occupied. Or not. It's just the weirdest random event. And that's just one of, like you said, many weird happenings in the town at that point in time. That was uh, a very a good scene where they, where they were kind of getting that light that was coming in through the from they didn't know where it reminded me a little bit about close encounters of the third kind yeah with some of the things that went on to dreyfus's character at the railroad crossing and i love that old ford because uh one of the trucks my dad had was that same model <laughs> Jeez. It, was, it was it was uh gray colored but uh, th that's an old that was an old vehicle when they made this film well yeah and speaking wow. of vehicles how about that uh station wagon that janet lay's character is driving <laughs> yeah, janet lee. <laughs> poor janet lee i think she went through the movie in a constant state of of desperation and anxiety over this hundred celebration to come to find all all this other stuff goes on and she's not yet aware <laughs> of that but even without that she and her assistant who banter back and forth a lot are gra gradually drawn into the drama as well a little further down the road though yeah yeah well i like that scene after the after the scene with uh nick castle and elizabeth solly played by jamie lee curtis we get this scene of these uh sailors out on this fishing boat and they're getting warned by i think adrian barbeau is like broadcasting some weather reports and saying you know if you're out on the water look out for this fog and this one captain is like what fog there's no fog out here hi mateys this is kab antonio bay stevie wayne here beaming a signal across the sea for the men of the seagrass 15 miles out tonight, a warm hello, and keep a watch out for that fog bank heading in from the east. Now, in the meantime, relax with me while I play this song from the Coupe de Ville's, dedicated just to you. Boy, would I like to meet her. <laughs> I saw her at a grocery store one day. Yeah? You would like to meet her. She's crazy. There's no fog bank out there. What do you know about her? She owns that lighthouse. 
I know that. Her son plays Little League with my kid brother. She's a mother? <laughs> I thought you were happily married. <laughs> Not that happy. <laughs> Fog bank out there. Hey. There's a fog bank out there. He looks out the window again, and there's just this strip of fog coming in off the horizon, and there's these flashing, glowing lights in it. And that's such a great touch, that those lights in the fog make it so much scarier. A great special effect. Also a great effect was the inside of that trawler. Oh, it, yeah. was, it was like you could almost smell the the... the the aroma from that cabin with the beer drinking guys that had been out on that boat for several days. It was like, Oh my word. And, and Ooh, one of my favorite, that was well done. it was one of my favorite scenes is when the fog is completely enveloped that, that fishing boat and they go up on the deck and they see a ghost ship <clears throat> just sail right on by next to them. And that's such a great special effect too. There's some really good special effects in this. And and uh, the people that are coming in with the fog uh, are referred to it in some of the write-ups that I read, the rev revenants, which I it's a, it's a great term for them, yeah. and uh, they're very uh, quick and sneaky because all of a sudden, bang, there they are, and that's the end of our fishing friends on the trawler. But it was great how they had the last guy trying to hide out. Yeah. Well, and it, it was funny because Gilbert goes, whoa, this is really violent. <laughs> and I said, I know. <laughs> it holds up well for being a movie from 1980. And, you know, it really does. It's, it's just enough gore that it's kind of scary, but not so much gore that it's goofy, you know. Well, I read a little bit about <clears throat> Mr. Carpenter's looking at that first cut, and he, and he concluded that it needed some work, and that's when they added... Houseman's opening, but they also he also had to go back and redo about a third of the scenes to add a little more gore to it because other films coming out at that time had had more of that going on, and he felt like it needed to be added. So uh, it's it's good. It, it, it's also good in that you don't really see the actual event happen, but your mind, at least my mind, is like making it seem really real. Yeah. Like that one guy that's hiding out in the trawler, you don't actually see him getting stabbed. You just see the implement that the fishing hook thing that goes into the guy's eyes, you know, but you don't actually <laughs> yes. see it go in. But your mind fills it in for you, and it's very uh, effective. Yeah. And then we find out that uh, one of those men that, that are murdered on the boat is the husband to the. Uh, to the uh, Janet Lee character, who is Kathy Williams, right? I did, yeah. I, he he wasn't the first one to go, but I think he was the second one that met his awful fate. And she gets very upset later in the movie because he hasn't come back. And I was a little curious though because Nick Castle's character knew that that guy was on the boat, I think, but doesn't say anything to Kathy Williams. So I maybe he didn't know like everybody that was on the boat because they only found one of the of the sailors on the boat later, and everybody else was just gone. They just disappeared. I mean, I'm sure they're at the bottom of the ocean. 
<laughs> I, I was just uh, reading my notes. I think we flipped the scenes. I think the trawler action takes place, and then uh, Nick Castle picks up Jamie Lee Curtis in the pickup. I think that's the flow. Oh, it, it, it's it maybe because it kind of comes. It kind of comes, cuts him back and it forth. Cuts back and forth. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of like multiple storylines going on, and and the editing cuts back and forth between different scenes around town that are that's happening right, yeah. at the same time. So, could have been all. I think all this was sort of happening at the same time, essentially. Which is a really uh, great way to do it because it really makes the uh, the flow of the film move along quickly, and and and. We move to the scene of the young boy out on the beach looking for things. Oh, who yeah. happens to be one of the kids that was at the uh, at the storytelling the night before by uh, <laughs> Hausman's character. So, That's a nice touch. And he he's looking, he's scavengering things along the beach. Yeah, and he sees and a flashing a time. gold light, and he runs up, and there's a gold coin uh, that he's going to grab. But then the wave comes in, and and coin is gone and then there's this piece of wood that just says dane on it and if you connect that back to the story at the beginning of the movie it's like obviously that's from this ship that was in the ghost story that mr houseman uh well whose character name is mr mackin and i was laughing with gilbert and Haley at that opening scene with mr mackin because i said like who is this guy is he a grandpa of one of these kids does he just like live on the beach in town like who's this old guy telling ghost stories on the beach my, my thought was that he's just kind of an old timer that lives alone in sort of a hermit's uh, trailer somewhere along the beach and he comes out every now and then and, and uh, he's safe so parents are safe and yeah. comfortable yeah. having him tell their children these stories which causes the children to never go to sleep that night <laughs> Well, no, because <laughs> that would have been a perfect role for Vincent Price. Oh my gosh! All yeah. the films he made, that would have been perfect. I um, noticed that in my reading that a lot of the characters' uh, names are, are based on people that Carpenter knew or wanted to give a tip of the hat to. Because I think the coroner's name is uh, Doctor Phibes mm, or Phoebes, mm -hmm. and that's a, a name from an old Vincent Price film. Just a kind of an aside. There's a few names of places that are from H.P. Lovecraft stories. Yes. And I know that John Carpenter was a f uh, fan of H.P. Lovecraft because he, he made a few movies that were very Lovecraftian, which is sort of this universe of that H.P. Lovecraft created in his stories. And so I, I, I appreciated those little, those little nods to the history of like horror in both film and in you know novels and short stories like for instance uh ashcroft was one of the names of one of the characters and that's a mm -hmm. that's a name from old uh horror stories so andy brings the wood uh thing home and stevie his mom stevie is, is concerned that, what are you doing out there because she's she senses that something's not right within the town and yeah. they have a back and forth and i feel like she's the only one who's really concerned like she she's the one who i guess because she can see what's going on from the lighthouse and she's kind of connected to different people around town because she's always getting phone calls from that one weather guy 
and oh Dan the weatherman. <laughs> Dan the weatherman. Yeah, right. <laughs> he was he was kind of a playboy, I feel like. Um, but yeah, he 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 doesn't meet a good end in the movie either. <laughs> well, he didn't he didn't listen to her warnings. No, and. I mean, I, he paid. The I tell price. you, if she was on the radio here, I would do everything she said. Definitely, especially she if she's very, telling you that there's this supernatural fog rolling into town. Yeah, know? yeah. So anyway, then Stevie goes back to this remote lighthouse radio station, takes the wood with her, takes that piece of wood with her, and of course sets it down right above the tape recorder. Yeah. And yeah. boy, that it was it was so much fun to see all that old equipment. It it really was, yeah. yeah. All those eight <laughs> it was tracks. not old then, <laughs> but that tape recorder, man, that's out of the past. And wanna, she goes wanna, about her day. I want to go back to one thing when uh, the little boy runs in to wake up Stevie. He's leaving, and he says, "Mom, can I have a stomach pounder and a coke?" Sometimes you're a real pain. Sure, Mom. But look it. First it was a gold coin, and then it turned into this neat piece of wood. This is one of those times. Uh-huh, but look at it, Mom. Good morning, Andrew. Did you have a nice time last night? Yeah, old Mr. Macon told us ghost stories. Did you thank Mrs. Colritz for bringing you home? Yes, ma'am. Mom, can I have a stomach pounder and a Coke? After lunch. Okay. I'm going to go look for another one. Maybe this time I can get the gold coin. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, it's like 8 in the morning. <laughs> I think she says something like maybe maybe after noon or something. <laughs> yeah. After lunch. I yeah. <laughs> and, and then there was a um, really great scene right before the part that you just talked about where there's this shot of the lighthouse but you have to go down what looks like a thousand steps to get to it and i thought well that's a good workout for her every day she has to go up and down those steps to get to her lighthouse that was crazy Do you i remember know that? and that that was that that's an actual film location i forget the name of it but uh you would get a lot you would get your ten thousand steps in just going up and down that oh set gosh. of stairs yeah, there's yeah some... I, I love the location. That yeah. that adds so much to the film. The fact that she's almost like an island unto herself. Yeah, absolutely. And the, there's some really great shots in this film. And I watched a documentary uh, interview with the cinematographer who also was the cinematographer on Halloween and, and a few other John Carpenter movies. And he was saying that they did a lot of location shooting. And one of the tricks that, that they used in the movie is that there's a lot of empty space in the frame. So just totally blacked out and, and your mind starts to fill in like, well, is there, oh, what's back there? What's, right. what's over yes. there? Yeah. It adds to the, it adds to the image that you create in your mind. What reminds me of that when, when I watch it is the haunting. Oh, yeah. Robert Weiss was able to do that in that show. It's almost, all based on what you think is going to happen. Oh, totally. Yep. This has a lot of that in there. 
it, this movie is all about the mood and the ambiance oh, yes. and the atmosphere, you know, because there's not that many jump scares. And, and like you said, you don't really see these revenants, you know, until maybe the very end you get a couple shots up close where you can see a little bit more of them. But mostly they're just silhouettes, you know, with these flashing supernatural lights behind them, which is just awesome. I just love that effect. Yes. I'm going to watch this again because I, I just enjoy it so much. And, and I know that something is going to happen when uh, Stevie sets that uh, wood down. And they pan into the uh, into the frame on the wood, yeah. and then she goes about getting things going for the day. And she's been there late the night before. Now it's like not even six a.m. and she's getting ready to broadcast again. But uh, the wood, uh, the special effect for that was really neat. It starts to weep water, and then that like voice crying. that voice that comes out of the tape recorder <laughs> yes. that was freaky. That kind of reminded me of The Exorcist a little bit. You know, it was like oh, this yeah. distorted, like haunting voice. That I, I'm not even sure what it said, but it kind of made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I I, I say this because I like that th- scene so much as well. A mysterious man's voice emerges from the tape player, swearing revenge, and the words "quote six must die" oh, appear okay. on the wood before it bursts into flame. <laughs> well, right away Stevie realizes. Wait a minute. Something's not right here. <laughs> I'd be I'd be running out of that lighthouse screaming. Oh man. Never to return. Totally. Like this is what's so great about these movies is you're yell at, you're yelling at the TV going, Get the heck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> and then the wood returns to the original na- name of Dane and there's no uh, water or tears and the tape starts working uh, normally again. Yeah, so, so then get, you're wondering, is it boom. in her mind or like what's going on? Yeah, that's that's a well done that's a well done scene. And Nick and Elizabeth are out looking for the trawler. Again, the scenes kind of cut back and forth, and they can't find any corpse on the boat. <laughs> but I, I don't remember exactly how this happens. If he if Nick opens a cabinet, an overhead cabinet, like to see what's in there and the body comes f- falling out no no it's just the, the cabinet just opens by itself on its own oh yeah, and even then, better and because yeah, he's telling this this another ghost story basically that i think is related to this whole event that happened a hundred years ago and jamie lee curtis is like curling up into a ball like getting more and more scared and then all of a sudden one of the bodies of the uh, sailors just like flops out and and lands on her, and that was a good jump scare. Um, we skipped over something though that I wanted to mention, which was uh, uh, Kathy Williams and her assistant go out to the old church to talk to Father Malone, and they want him to do some kind of benediction or something at the at the ceremony that night, and man. Father Malone is like losing it. He's he's so like on the verge of a mental breakdown. You can tell when she, when Kathy Williams is talking to him, and it's funny because the, the the assistant I think played by Nancy Keys is like looking at her watch, going, "Come on, let's go, let's go, let's get out of here." Do you remember that scene where they're having that discussion? 
Oh, I, I do. And and there was a jump scare when they can't find the good father, and he kind of appears out of this dark shadow. Yeah. I was like, whoa. What the <laughs> heck? Haley and Gilbert and I were like, what is he doing back there in the shadow? I mean, he, he knows there's out. people. <laughs> it's just the weirdest thing. <laughs> That's one of the that's one of the few jump scares in the film, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's a good one though. Yeah, the poor the poor Malone. It's just he's just out of it from reading that diary. Yeah. So oh. so then then I think again a lot of this is happening simultaneously. But then uh, Stevie is really concerned about what's going on because she just had this supernatural event with this piece of wood, and so she calls. To where her son is is at and uh he's being babysat by i don't know uh mrs Colbritz. Colbritz, regina walden Colbritz. yeah and and stevie tells him like you have to stay inside do not go out to the beach whatever you do do not go out to the beach you got to stay inside and, and and he's like oh mom come on and he just has this look on his face like he's just so sad <laughs> Mrs. Colbert's reminded me of Aunt B from May Mayberry, RFD, the old Andy Griffith show. Oh yeah, yeah. But there's this one scene right after that 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 Haley and Gilbert and I laughed at so hard because poor little Andy Wayne is looking out longingly at the beach, and he's got this look on his face like he's just contemplating his whole existence and what what is life and like what am i doing here because <laughs> he's not allowed to leave the house i'm trapped <laughs> also going on at the same time or roughly the same time because all of this happens in a short period of time mm -hmm. uh nick and elizabeth are at the coroner's oh, office yeah now, i don't know about you but i am never ever going to want to go watch somebody in a coroner's office begin to work an autopsy yeah me too and she's sitting alone of course they have to set it up so <laughs> nick has to leave to talk to the coroner and she's in there with the corpse oh my god and i'm thinking oh no this is not going to go well <laughs> you know it's not going to go well because <laughs> she, they have that classic well, setup where jamie lee curtis is in the foreground just kind of looking bored and like waiting for nick to get done and then you see this cadaver in the background covered up with a sheet and you know that something's not gonna go well there it's something bad's gonna happen yeah and this corpse rises and you really don't see it just a real quick shot of its body and then it collapses and writes on the floor and it's death throws three yeah and i'm like oh those are the three from the ship so three, to go. Three, three to go three to go three to go yep yep so i love that little mechanic in the movie where they're going to take revenge on the descendants of the people that that did this horrible thing to them and i was thinking about this you know there's probably there's definitely more than six descendants of those original town founders and so it kind of makes sense that they're actually going after a whole bunch of people and and it's kind of like, well, who are the next three going to be, you know? Because they, they're going after, uh, I guess, all the descendants of those original town founders. Let's see. Uh, I think then it's moving on toward evening time, isn't it? And the celebration begins? It, yep. 
Yep. And is this celebration happening at midnight? Like, that seems really late for a town celebration for the 100th anniversary. <laughs> I think that's when it was happening. I think so, too. And they're all going to walk with these candles in mm-hmm. this semi-darkness. That's a, another recipe for problems. <laughs> and then we get we get a cut over to our favorite weatherman who is on oh, the phone yes. with Stevie. And Stevie's telling him to, you know, don't go out in the fog. You know, whatever you do, don't go out in the fog. And he he's just an idiot, doesn't listen to her. And, of course, opens the door to this fog that's as thick as pea soup. I mean, it's so thick. And... Yeah, he he gets it. <laughs> he gets it bad. Yeah. Uh, poor Dan. I liked him in, a, in kind of a creepy way. I, yeah. I I think he must have been a good friend of Stevie's, but it was never clear to me in the movie whether he was stalking her or just visiting <laughs> with her or they were dating or all I'm three. Sure. But it all <laughs> but it all came to a, an abrupt end. Uh, and now the uh, Stevie hears all this. And then she notices that this this glowing fog is moving into the town. Oh yeah, and it's gonna it's coming right up on where uh, Mrs. Kobritz and her son are, because uh, she Mrs. Kobritz lives right on the water. Uh, either that was Stevie's house or Mrs. Kobritz. I think that house. was Stevie's house. Stevie, okay, so Mrs. Kobritz was babysitting, and yeah. Okay, so Stevie lives right on the. I love that house on the pier uh, over oh, the I water. Know. I love that. I don't place. know if that's a real place, but I would I would live there in a heartbeat. Oh, me Except too. Except on a foggy day, I get a little nervous. I mean, I basically just want to like live Stevie's life, live on that house on the water, have a lighthouse that I own, run a radio station. Like this sounds great to me. <laughs> Except for the the ghosts. <laughs> Except for the the ghosts and people being bumped off left yep, and right. Yeah. But I thought uh, again, there was an excellent job of showing the panic, and. Uh, uh, Nick and Elizabeth hear all this on the radio. That that Ford pickup had a really good radio, mm-hmm. uh, which is not the case in the one my father had. But anyway, <laughs> they're they're driving f- frantically to get to to the house to save Andy and Mrs. Colbert's Colbert's through this uh, night time, and 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 they make it there. But wasn't that well? I don't want to j- jump too far ahead. They're still in the house, Andy and, and Co- Mrs. Colbert's, and she gets him to go to his room. And God. then she opens the door. Oh, my gosh. What is it's opening a, the, I would never yeah. open the door. Why do like they this. keep opening the doors? Like, why? <laughs> Don't open that door. And, and these are, these are we were laughing when we watched it last night because we were like, so do these ghosts have to be invited in? Because they're always like knocking on the door to be let in. I think so. I think it's like a vampire, as I understand the history of that. They, you have to let them in. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they, they couldn't just, like, knock the door down. They had to knock, and then you had to open the door. And, of course, these people are very accommodating and open the door for these ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> and Andy sees this, and, and meanwhile, the uh, Nick and Elizabeth finally arrive in this fog. Oh, I, I wanted, Boy, I wanted well to, done. before we go any further than what happened to Mrs. Kobritz, I, I would have changed one little thing in that scene. So Mrs. Kobritz is telling Andy to go to his room, go to his room. And he's like, no, I don't want to, I want to see what's going on. And she's like, no, go to your room. 
So he goes to his room and closes the door, and then Mrs. Kobritz opens the door and gets murderized by these ghosts. <laughs> I would have had it so that Andy actually saw what happened to Mrs. Kobritz and then ran to his room and closed the door. I would have oh. I would have reversed it and I and I'm wondering if that if that might have been a little bit too intense. Like maybe maybe they made a conscious decision to have Andy go to his room, close the door and then show what happens to Mrs. Kobritz because I think if you reversed it it would be a lot more like violent and like terrifying. psychologically terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the room the one of the revenants crashes through the wall. Yeah. And that was I would have been pooping rescued. my pants right there if I was that ten year old kid. <laughs> oh like, man. Oh <laughs> Fortunately Nick made it there in time to break the window and, and uh grab him. And then of course, invariably <laughs> they get to the pickup truck yeah. and Jamie Lee Curtis is driving and it's stuck. Oh my gosh. She kept and gunning it. I was like, stop like, gunning it. Don't. You just be gentle with it. <laughs> exactly. I was like, don't put your foot on the gas so much. Yeah. <laughs> and the revenants are getting closer and closer. That well wasn't done. really a jump scare, but that was that was scary because those revenants were just surrounding the truck from the front. And every time they, sh they, would, they would cut to Jamie Lee Curtis... They would cut to the wheel, like, spinning in the mud, and then they would cut to the ghost, and the ghost would be a little bit closer each time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right at the very last possible second, yep. they get out of there. Perfect wow. timing. She really could drive backwards well, though. She was going about 60 <laughs> in reverse. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, in the fog. Yeah, and then and then Stevie is 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 kind of like calling out where the fog is in town, like and and telling people where to go so that they can get away from the fog. It's moving down 10th Street. Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. There's something in the fog. Go north. Stay away from the fog. Richardsville Pike, up to Beacon Hill is the only clear road. Up to the church. If you can get out of town, get to the old church. At, at some point it says the only safe place is the old church up on the hill if you can get to the old church you know get up to the old church on the hill and while this is happening uh kathy williams and and her assistant are driving around town in their huge uh <laughs> family truckster <laughs> yeah, that was that's a thing from the past those yeah. babies could they were great on the highway you know like on a freeway trip Oh yeah, they were really quiet, but they weren't good for cornering. No, but that kind of thing. But uh, Kathy was cornering that thing pretty hard as she was trying to get away from the fog. <laughs> she was making it to the church. Yeah, so then they all Which, converge at the church. Like we've got um, not Stevie, but uh, we've got Elizabeth. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis. We've got uh, Kathy Williams. We've got Mister. Uh, no, Nick Castles up there. Um, Father Malone, 
who else? There's well, let's see. The, Sandy, the assistant. Yeah, I yeah. Sandy, the I assistant. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, oh, and the the little boy too. The little boy is with them. Uh, Andy. And they're they are inside this room where they locate this gold cross. Oh my gosh! This yeah. Pure gold cross. And and Malone realizes that this was the cross that was made from the gold. So that his great grandfather his grandfather stole. So so not only did they kill all the people on that ship because they didn't want to have the leper colony like down the coast from them, but they stole all the gold which was supposed to go to I guess founding the town and these different these four these six different people that planned this, but then. Father Malone's grandfather stole all that gold and hid it and turned it into a giant solid gold cross. I know. And then hid it in the church. Like, that's messed up. <laughs> well, and, and I thought it was kind of also messed up that grandfather was writing in his diary how he had regrets over this part of it. Or, I'm sorry that we murdered all these people. And <laughs> yeah. It's really unfortunate that I'm really regretful that we stole all them. I mean, just... <laughs> it's like too late too late around dude. the bend yeah well and talking about going around the bend father malone is like totally lost it at this point and he grabs that gold cross and is hugging it for dear life and then goes out of the little room where they're trying to hold up but they're being attacked through the windows by these revenants uh, but then father malone goes out into the main part of the church and what do you know there's like six or seven of these revenants out there and all this fog and he's he has this little monologue about how he's the grandson of you know the guy that planned this and that he they need to come take him take him away (laughs) and he clutches that cross to his chest and boy that effect was good he was lit up like a uh, a neon light. It reminded me of the end of uh, Indiana Jones when they open up the the. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They look the uh, they look in that crypt. Yeah. Well, I also wondered. It wasn't clear to me right now. How did all the revenants get inside the church? Because they must have, in all this excitement, the people must have left the door open. I think they did. Must I, I'd have to go back and watch, but I think they did leave the door open. And those effects of the of the uh, survivors from the ship were really good. They had little glowing eyes. Oh yeah, that one, the lead one, had those red glowing eyes. Yeah, and it was cool because there was a scene where uh, the revenants coming on from the left, and Father Malone is on the right holding the gold cr- gold cross, and the gold c- cross is reflecting the red light. So that was, I mean, all this is practical effects. So they actually had those red lights so that they could get that, you know, bounce uh, reflection of the red lights on the cross. And I thought that looked really cool. And meanwhile, at the same time this was going on, Stevie's out at the lighthouse trying to get up the stairs and then out the window and door up onto the roof to uh, get away from two of the revenants that had come out of the fog and there's a great scene where she's looking out those steps and the fog creeps over the steps and oh down the steps with that glow on it that was amazing so that reminded me sure if she's going to survive that scene with the fog coming over the top reminded me of the blob 
the original blob. Oh, right. Because there's a scene where the blob sort of like comes over the top of, I forget, like a hill or something. And it, it has that same kind of look where this this fog is not normal fog, right? It's got like this heft and this weight to it. Uh, so I think James, I think Stevie Wayne must be a descendant of one of the the original founders, and so they were going after her too. And I th- there was also that little bit of the story with John Houseman where the ghosts were so angry about the fact that they got tricked by the campfire that was supposed to lead them to safety, but then actually made it so their ship crashed. And maybe they they saw the lighthouse as sort of like that same kind of a thing you know like they wanted to put the light out maybe oh that's yeah well good uh, well but then because of the change at the church these two revenants on the on the roof of the lighthouse it just all disappears yeah and stevie is able to get back into the lighthouse and back on the radio but meanwhile we're not done yet <laughs> No. Well, it, it seems like maybe it's all over because the, the ghosts yeah. got the, the gold cross. And I think at this point we've kind of lost count of how many people they've killed. So maybe we think that all six have been killed. But no, but wait. <laughs> They're not done with Father They're Malone yet. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think uh, Malone contemplates why he was spared by Blake and then he asks why not six well you're right <laughs> you're Blake number six back. father Malone yeah and uh, that truly then does he, he uh, he's Blake decapitates dr. Malone Reverend Malone is it Reverend Malone or Rever- Malone? Reverend Malone I think father father Malone or father Malone, and that yeah. then the uh, that goes to black on the screen, but I have to I have to remember to mention that Stevie, when she's on the radio, mm-hmm. giving that warning, that final warning to everybody, is so reminiscent for me of the thing from another world, Absolutely. from what, 1951, I think it is, where the journalist is making that warning, going out to the world, watch the skies, beware. I don't know what happened to Antonio Bay tonight. Something came out of the fog and tried to destroy us. In one moment, it vanished. But if this has been anything but a nightmare, and if we don't wake up to find ourselves safe in our beds, it could come again. To the ships at sea who can hear my voice, look across the water into the darkness. Look for the fog. So much like that film. So that it just keeps connecting other films to it, which well, I really enjoy. That's the thing I like about John Carpenter. I mean, he's an amazing director and writer. Uh, and he has such a deep appreciation for the history of horror and, and film. And 100% for sure, that was on purpose. Because it's it's almost the same angle on the on the on the shot and the the way she's delivering it it feels like you could you could just interchange the speech from the thing with what she's saying and it would fit 
And I thought that was a perfect setup for a, a Fog 2, you know, like a sequel. Oh, wouldn't it be? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, I give the, the film a 10. I really like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to watch it again, too. This will be my third time. Secret. I'm going to hide away at my office (laughs) with the lights (laughs) and see what I missed the first seven (laughs) times. Yeah, I give it a 10 for just pure entertainment. And um, and it's really well made. I mean, it's it's I would say it's a low budget movie, but it doesn't look like a low budget movie. They really did the best and made the most of what they had in terms of locations and special effects and the i bought the the 4k um ultra hd version uh and there was a documentary on there about how they did the fog special effects and it's it's really funny to see just them in there with these these smoke machines you know and trying to get just the right perfect amount of of smoke in the air so that they can get the shot that they want it's just it's it's just good old-fashioned practical movie making yeah Yeah, that was before the era of all the special effects to uh computers and we can't i can't fail to mention another favorite of mine that we went to in 1988 they live oh yeah remember where rowdy 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 paper piper yeah and you wear these glasses and you can see all these aliens. Man, we should review that movie too. I know it's a little bit later, but I I'd be I'd be up for doing a John Carpenter festival. Oh, me too. <laughs> Between this one and Halloween and Escape from New York. The thing they live. That there you go. <laughs> that was our review of The Fog for Halloween. And coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt. And here in Los Angeles is Bob wishing everybody happy movie watching. <laughs> <laughs>